Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. the Sports Talk Mississippi train. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. We are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the sports book at the Golden Moon Casino. You didn't make it by this weekend. It's okay because we have another fun-filled weekend of basketball on the way. Another weekend of baseball, hopefully more fun-filled than this past, on the way. You've got NBA stuff happening, you've got XFL, you've got golf, lots of ways that you can get in on the action, and you can do it at the Pearl River Resort, pearlriverresort.com. Love to hear from you, and boy, oh boy, have we got some stuff to talk about today. C Spire text line, 601-879-4395, that's the number for you to be a part of the conversation, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from C Spire Business, backed by world-class IT professionals who live where you do. And that's right here in C Spire country. Check them out online, cspire.com slash business. Good to be with you. What a weekend. Not necessarily in a good way, but, 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 I would like to wish the two of you, and we would like to wish all of you collectively a happy first day of spring. Doesn't feel like it. Don't be negative, Borky. It is a it nice means day, It's going to get warmer. It's going to get nice tomorrow. But that last freeze, man, it's, it, uh, there's not four seasons. There's like eight. You have uh, like a teaser spring or a fake spring. And then third winter, <laughs> and then here in like two weeks we're gonna have a false summer, and it's it's just crazy weather around here. But we've got there's one more coming. There's one more cold push coming. Maybe early April, mid April. It's it's coming. Yes, but I don't know that it will be as cold as what we had this weekend. It was cold this weekend. Yeah. Like, I got up yesterday morning and just threw on a pair of shorts and, like, threw a jacket on to go pick up breakfast before church. 
But I walked outside. I was like, man, I spent last week with six feet of snow around me in Colorado, and at no point was I as cold as I was Sunday morning going to grab sausage biscuits and pastries from Bottle Tree. At no point was so I that cold. shorts in Colorado, though, either. You know, you, 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 but that's actually not true. I made a run to the grocery know. store one morning in Colorado, and I had on a hoodie and shorts. That's, that's and, one of my favorite like outfits is a jacket with shorts on. Love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why. Yeah. Anyway, happy fans, first day of spring. Michael yeah. Borky, you will not rain on my It's the First Day of Spring and It's Sunshiny Outside Parade. Even if it's chilly, nice. yeah, it's chilly. Although I'm, I'm worried that a couple of plants that I put outside, I think I might, might have that a little too soon. Hoping for the best, got got a lemon tree in a pot that survived the winter, but I, I think that the the full time move outside may have been a little late. So uh, we'll see. Yeah. But yeah, I, I got some landscape worry. Also, yeah. we put some new stuff in the yard late last summer. And it was beautiful and bloomed and did all the things that it was supposed to do. You remember that that week before Christmas when it was like eight degrees for a solid week? I'm I'm holding my breath, crossing fingers and holding breath that uh, that it makes it. Um, so are, are we avoiding the inevitable? Uh, well, here, yeah, we can because I, I, there's something that that has happened over the weekend that I, I see and it just doesn't make sense to me. Okay. And, and Cowherd does the bit every year where the the brands are the only thing that matters in the NCAA tournament. And I get it. You know, that's his thing. He's all about brands. He lives in L.A. I get it. But he's not the only one that does crap like that. Like, you had a very popular Auburn website uh, the, over the weekend say things like, March Madness isn't the best way to determine a champion. Uh, and it was after the Purdue loss. And you know what? You're kind of right. Because basketball is a sport of volatility. Mm-hmm. And if you're really trying to find the best team, you should have series instead of just one-game eliminations. I get it. Uh, so so there is some merit there, some. But as a sports fan, don't you just want to be entertained? And, and what has been more entertaining than the weekend of basketball, number one? And number two, couldn't Purdue just simply not lose to Fairleigh Dickinson? Like, I mean, we say that's things... A, that's a far lay to you, sir. Yeah, far lay, fair lay, the shortest team in all... The shortest team in all of college basketball that never this season, in an arena, their home arena, seats 1,800 people. Even mm-hmm. in the game that they won that sent them to the NCAA tournament, they did not fill every seat. They didn't play in front of a capacity crowd of 1,800 people all season long, the shortest team in the end, in the tournament, in the country. Purdue could just simply not lose to them. That's all. So you're arguing, oh, it's bad for basketball when Purdue gets eliminated. Don't lose to Fairleigh Dickinson. Don't lose to them. Give it to your seven foot five guy. Let him turn around and place the ball in the basket when he's being guarded by 5'7", okay? I mean, that's all you have to do. But this brain's argument so it's like Hayden guarding Yao Ming. And ser- I mean, seriously, a bit of a mismatch. I could body him. But, but, well, I could body maybe. him though. Yeah, I, I, yeah, maybe. You know. But Purdue I got failed. The strength at least. Fairly Dickinson played well. They're clearly coached very well, and they beat Purdue, and that's great. And uh, Furman is now out of it. Fairly Dickinson's out of it. So this idea that 
that this tournament ruins the, the concept of having brands survive is so goofy when here's who's left. Arkansas out of the SEC, UConn, basketball power, Gonzaga, basketball power, UCLA, one of the most storied programs in all of basketball, Miami out of the ACC, Xavier, storied program, Texas, Texas, the one-seed Houston, Michigan State, Tennessee, Kansas State, uh, Alabama, a one-seed. That's who's left in this thing. Yes, you have Princeton still there. They'll get eliminated in short order. San Diego State uh, looks really long and athletic, by the way, and they're not a traditional power, so to speak. I guess Creighton isn't either, but when you say, oh, this tournament format's so bad because w- nobody cares about Fairleigh Dickinson, those teams always end up losing. But, but you know and the what, brands you, rise to the top. Always. You, it always you, happens that way. You bring up a point that I think is is important. You know all the all the basketball guys in media, and there are a bunch of them, right? That college basketball is their sport, and they can't wait to tell you why the NCAA tournament is the best postseason in all of sports. And it's a lot of fun. It's not the best postseason in all of sports. It's not. But it's fine if that's your opinion. It may be the most exciting. It may be the most volatile. But it's not the best because the postseason you use to determine a national champion does not always yield you the best team. To to, to your point just a second ago. But that's fine. Right? Can, can we not just be okay with that? This is the way that we determine a champion And if you get beat because you're not playing your best for those three and a half weeks, that's on you. You can have a magical season and then get bounced. You can have an average season but get in the tournament and then get hot at the right time, and boom, you carry a trophy off at the end of the year. Was the Ole Miss baseball team the best team in college baseball last year? I don't know. Probably not. But you know how many teams got a trophy? Just them. They're the only ones. Was Mississippi State the best team in college baseball two years ago? Maybe. Maybe not. You know who got the trophy? The team that won the tournament. Why do we why is it that we always need to complain about how we crown a champion? Well, everybody knows going into a season, whether we're talking about college basketball, men's or women's, college baseball, college football, the NFL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, the World Baseball Classic, which by the way has been fantastic. We know how we're going to crown a champion before it begins. Don't complain when your team doesn't win it. Everybody's playing by the same rules. Yeah. It makes no sense. And especially when they say it's not the best way to determine a champion, as if like the teams that have won it recently are not great. Kansas, Baylor, Virginia, Villanova, North Carolina, Villanova, Duke, Connecticut, Louisville, Kentucky, Connecticut, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Florida. I mean, these are... It's fine. (laughs) It's fine. Right? It's okay. Hey, Brian. Hey, Dad. How was your weekend? It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, a lot of a uh, lot of uh, you know watching baseball and going wow in the most unenthusiastic voice I could possibly muster up. Those were those were not good wows. No, they're bad wows. The combination of Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Southern Miss. The combination. Went one and eight this past weekend. Carry that the one, one, that's bad. The, that one 
does, however, belong to the coach that we're going to talk to on the other side of this break. Scott Berry, head baseball coach, Southern Miss, joins us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up next. I can't believe what I'm hearing. This is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Southern Miss opened Sunbelt Conference play this weekend by going on the road to San Marcos, Texas, where it was probably warmer than it was here, uh, at least in the northern part of the state, uh, to face Texas State. Played three games, won the first one, and then lost the last two, and uh, Scott Berry joins us right now, head baseball coach at Southern Miss. Obviously, Coach, a, a disappointing weekend. I was kind of thinking about the baseball weekend as a whole with, with you guys, with what happened for Mississippi State, with what happened for Ole Miss, and kind of reminded this game's hard sometimes. It really is, Richard, I'll tell you. Uh, and sometimes it's just a pitch here or there or a swing here or there or a play here and there that can be the difference between winning a game, winning a series, or, or even, uh, you know, sweeping a series in all honesty. And, and kind of that was the story with us. I felt like on Saturday, uh, you know, a, a couple of bats here and some situations, totally different game. And I think if you look at our record right now, we're 12-7. and seven. Of those seven losses, uh, you know, three of those are the same scenario that I witnessed on Saturday, just right there to, to be gotten, and we just didn't toughen up and, and get it done when we should have. How do you, as a head coach, avoid just driving yourself crazy when you when maybe you're not playing as well as you would like or your record is not what you want it to be and kind of going back and replaying the season? You're like, you know what, if, if we make a better pitch there – if we lay a bunt down here, if we, you know, don't kick that ball there, then we feel completely different. Well, I think there's a time and place for everything and how you react. Uh, certainly, I think that uh, we would love to just uh, go crazy and, you know, kick things and throw things. But, you know, I think when you when you look at it, one thing that, that creates that kind of, of, uh, of, of, of way of dealing with it is not competing when your guys aren't competing or they're just mentally making mistakes that, that beat you. But, you know, as long as your guys are competing uh, and you feel like they're giving the effort and uh, to, that what you've prepared them to do, then certainly you, you move forward and you try to learn from those those missed opportunities. And, you know, there's a lot to be learned from losses. And uh, certainly, but you have to be mature enough to, to do that and moving forward to try to, try to win games, uh, you know, in the future. Do you feel like you're getting that from your team, like they are still playing hard and they are, for the most part, executing the plan that you're putting in place with the exception of a few mistakes? I do. You know, I think there was there was one time this year where I uh, kind of had to go to another side uh, with them, uh, you mm-hmm. know, and, and challenge them a little bit. But outside of that, you know, I think our guys have played hard. It just, unfortunately, it, it just hasn't come together. You know, yesterday was was a day of walks, uh, you know, for us. We walked a lot of guys and gave up a lot of freebies. And, you know, certainly in those situations, you, you'd rather 
your guys get hit and, and they earn it, then just give it to them. But, you know, we could have won that series out there against a really good Texas State team who uh, won 47 games, I think, last year and probably should have hosted a regional. Very good club uh, and have played good. Beat TCU on, on Wednesday night uh, at their place for a big game. So, we, uh, but, but Saturday was the game that, you know, we look back and we say, you know, we missed on the opportunity, should have won it. And if we did, we would have won that series. So in game one that, uh, that you went four to two, you, uh, you get what, five and a third out of, uh, out of Tanner Hall. And then you hand it off to Cross Sibley and he goes the rest of the way. Is he the guy that you trust the most right now out of your bullpen? Yeah, 100%. I mean, he has shown to be the guy to go to. Obviously, you can't go to him every game, so we've got to have other guys step up. But, you know, in that particular game, Tanner went a solid five and two-thirds, gave up two runs, uh, but neither one of those were earned. And uh, Sibley took over for him in the in the sixth inning uh, with, uh, with runners at first and second and two out, and he got a big K to end that inning and then just pitched three solid innings after that, only giving up two hits and, and no runs, no walks, and three strikeouts. So really dominated in in his outing and saved our bullpen for for the next two games. So tremendous job by both Tanner and, and Cross Sibley on that on that Friday night. All right, so you lose a one run game on Saturday and I think that's the one that you were maybe maybe both games, but specifically Saturday and a one run loss. Was was there a moment that you point to where you're like, okay, this was the difference in the game? Well, I think there was two innings. Uh, you know, we, we took the lead in the first, top of the first, scored a run there with two outs. And, uh, and then in the bottom of the first, they answered after, after two quick outs, you know, it all happened in, in that two out situation. They hit three straight consecutive doubles. We walked the guy and, and then, uh, and then they had a base hit. And now, you know, obviously they got two runs and we're down two to one, but it was a sixth inning, uh, of that game there where, where it was a three to two ball game. Texas State was winning, and we had runners at, at, at second and third and nobody out. And really the guys that we wanted up, and we went K, um, uh, fly out to short, uh, shallow left field, not not deep enough to tag the runner. And then, of course, it, you always get that two-out uh, fly ball that you needed in the first two, uh, which Blake Johnson hit to the warning track. But unfortunately, you know, it's caught and uh, for the third out. So that was a big moment, a big a big turning point momentum for their team. We could have gotten their starter out right then, uh, but we, we missed on that opportunity and really gave a, a good team uh, a lot of uh, a lot of momentum. And of course, both teams were zero zero after that, so lost three to two. Yeah, visiting with Scott Berry, head baseball coach at uh, at Southern Miss. I, I think it's been maybe since before the first week of the season, where we talked about some of the the new pitch clock rules. And, and some of the just clock rules in general that are, are part of the game this year. What has been the effect that you have seen with your pitchers through the first 19 games of the season with the emphasis on the pitch clock trying to move things along a little quicker? I think in, in, the, uh, in the games that we've played right now, which, which we've played 19 games, I think there's only been four violations. I think we've had two. Uh, and one of them was this weekend. We were called for a, a, a ball. Our pitcher took past the 22nd. And the same thing was with uh, their their team 
uh, there was a, a ball violation for 20 seconds. But outside of that, honestly, Richard, I have not seen a whole lot. I think everybody's adjusted to it. Uh, you know, it certainly helps to have a visible clock where everybody can see. Texas State, they did have that, and that helped. Uh, the other night mm-hmm. when we played at Ole Miss, they, they had both one behind home plate, one on the outfield wall, which I think is SEC rules. Obviously, next year with the Division One schools, that will be mandatory for every facility to have that at the D1 level. So, But right now, you know, if we don't have what we can see, we have to rely on that, that umpire that's at third base with a stopwatch, and you have no clue really where you are. So you have to work fast and work short, giving your signs and hope your guys get it. I talked to a uh, to a pitcher from South Carolina yesterday, and he said that he has tried to make that rule work to his advantage. That he feels like maybe a pitcher can actually get a batter a little more uncomfortable. Have you seen that at all? Where, where hitters are maybe more uncomfortable dealing with it than pitchers are? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's uh, you know, of course, the hitter has the ten seconds. They have to be totally committed to the pitcher at the ten second mark. Right. And the pitcher obviously gets another ten seconds for a total of twenty seconds before he has to start his delivery. But yeah, uh, it was a team that we played uh, earlier this year. That I mean, as soon as I got through giving signs and, and, and the batter, and it was about at the eight second mark, the the batter would put both feet in. And next thing you know, I mean, this guy's starting his delivery, and wow. of course you have to have to tell the umpire, hey, this is this is not the intent of this rule, you know, that we're doing for them to quick pitch in, you're going to have to control it, and game management's going to have to be a, a real issue for them in being able to handle that and uh, and making sure that, that it, it does kind of apply to both ways. But, yeah, there are, and that's probably what the South Carolina guy was implying, that he can speed things up and, uh, and, and kind of control it a little better. UNO on the road tomorrow night, then Georgia Southern coming to Hattiesburg this weekend. Another busy week, as they all are during baseball season. Scott, thanks as always for your time. We'll talk to you next Monday. Appreciate it, Richard. Thank you. That's Scott Berry, head baseball coach at Southern Miss, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. So uh, so Southern Miss drops two this weekend. Start Sunbelt Conference play one and two. They get the, the 4-2 win on Friday against Texas State, and then they lose three to two and eight to five. And guys, you, you've seen it just like I have. I know Twitter's not necessarily the real world. Message boards aren't necessarily the real world. But the fact is, there's some Southern Miss fans who are frustrated, really frustrated, with the way that this team has played early. And yet here we are. It's early. There's a lot of runway still in front of this Southern Miss team, and it's going to be interesting to see over the next couple of weeks what direction they go. Yeah, Understandably so. Um, I'm no body language expert or, or linguistics expert, although I, I did take a linguistics class in college. Uh, Got to mm. be. So um, it, it sounds like he's not particularly concerned with this team. It, it sounds like he thinks they're close. Now, they're not doing the right thing, but it it, it sounds like, he thinks that they are close to putting together a bunch of wins. I think. We'll see. It, it, it did sound like he did not feel as if his team was quitting or anywhere close to it. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. Yeah! On Super Talk 
Mississippi. Welcome back. Ceasefire text line open at 601-879-4395. Last night in Palo Alto, I guess technically in Stanford, California, I think it has its own zip code now, what used to be referred to as Palo Alto, um, Ole Miss and Stanford played in a 1-8 game. Sorry, I hit the microphone. Uh, it was a 1-8 game. Stanford, the one seed for the Seattle 4 region. Quick quick aside, this year, for, for the first round, for the first two rounds, you had 16 sites, right? You had 16 four-team pods, and they were played on campus. And then for the regional round, which is Sweet 16 Elite Eight, what did I, what did I not say correctly? Well, you're saying, like, for this year. That's how it always is. No, the change, I think the change is that you've only got two sites for the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight. I don't know about that. Yeah, the, the first round is always on campus, though, is what I, I thought you were saying. No, no, like, I meant like, as, as uh, this is where I think, yes, for the last several years, you've had on campus sites. Four teams go to a campus site, a winner emerges from those four teams, they go and they make up the Sweet 16. This year, you have two quads of the bracket going to Seattle and the other two quads of the bracket are headed to Greenville, South Carolina. So you get Greenville 1, Greenville 2, Seattle 3, Seattle 4. Ole Miss is part of the Seattle 4 bracket where Stanford was the number one overall seed. So if you rewind to Friday night, Ole Miss beat Gonzaga 71-48. Really shot it well. I think Gonzaga was the number one three-point shooting team in the country, and Ole Miss shut them down from the arc. Really impressive defensive performance. Gonzaga was one of 17. That's 5.9% from three. That's pretty good defense. Um, And Ole Miss, on the flip side, shot it pretty well. They were reasonably well, 30% from behind the arc, 7 of 24. But that's not the game that people are talking about. People are talking about last night. So the fact is, one seeds that host on campus always go to the Sweet 16. That's not an exact number, but it almost always happens. Not happening this year as Ole Miss beat Stanford last night 54-49. First of all, did you guys watch all of it, some of it, none of it? What you got? All of it. And I... You know, maybe I shouldn't admit this on statewide radio, but that is the first women's basketball game that I have watched every dribble from start to finish uninterrupted or anything like that um, in a very significant amount of time. I watched the the State-Notre Dame game where, unfortunately, uh, Ogunbowale made the shot to win the championship. I watched that one from start to finish, and that was the last one until last night. Yeah. Well, it was a good time for you, too. It was after... 
Little man had gone to bed. Oh yeah, See, on a Sunday night. Almost everything is interrupted. So you know, some people are like, "Oh, you're whatever," but most of my sports viewing is interrupted. <laughs> I just, yeah, I don't really have a choice. Sometimes Blippy takes precedent, you know, and I got to pull things up on my phone. But yeah, it was. Um, what's interesting about that game, right? Is is every most everybody knows what that program was. I mean, they're a few years removed from going winless in the SEC and having to play a student manager. Um, because they had to, not for a cute story to get on SportsCenter, but because they needed somebody to play. And the only person that was available was the person that's been, like, you know, helping them with film and fetching the water and stuff. I mean, going from that to the Sweet 16 is cool in its own right. I didn't realize uh, in my ignorance that Stanford was as... Two years ago. Won the championship two years ago. Their coach, though, this resume is unbelievable. Tara Vandeveer. I, I... Last night on the broadcast, oh, oh, they were fawning oh, over her. You, but you got to be right. Tara. 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 Not Tara. Tara. Uh, 1,186 wins. Yeah. 265 losses. That is an 817 win percentage. 61 NCAA tournament wins. <laughs> 61. Three national championships. 28. What is it? 28. Uh, or 27 Pac-12 championships, 13 Final Four appearances, and for good measure, a gold medal. Yeah. And that's who they went up and beat on the road to get to the Sweet 16 after the program was... Dead isn't an adequate adjective for what she took over. (laughs) So what's adequate if dead doesn't qualify? Uh, (laughs) I mean, what is dead may never die, uh, Borky. You know that. Oh, I know that. But the ceiling I mean, is the roof, guys. Okay. I mean, mummified in in a pyramid that they recently discovered. I, I mean, it's it was worse. Decomposed. Than dead. Yes. I mean, decades of of decomposure was that program, and she took it well, over and, and yeah, made and, it and, this. And and decades isn't necessarily right. So there was that window in the early two thousands. Uh, the, the decades of decomposure on the. Ah, yeah. Gotcha. Sorry, I, I get what you're saying. The last time Ole Miss made a run like this was 2007. And I had to go back and reconstruct it in my head. There are a few things that have happened since then, but that was the year that... Just a few. Yeah, a few things. But I, I was doing play-by-play for the Ole Miss women's team at that point. And so they played in a Thanksgiving tournament in the Bahamas and got beat by Maryland by 31. 31. And then you see the NCAA bracket, and they open with TCU in Hartford, Connecticut, and their second-round opponent is likely Maryland. And I think they led by 30 in the first half in that game against Maryland. Ole Miss did. They ended up winning the game against Maryland, advanced to the Sweet 16 in Dayton. They played Oklahoma. You may remember the uh, the Paris sisters at Oklahoma. They were dominant. Courtney Paris, and I think the other sister was Ashley Paris. Is Courtney Paris the one that said she'd give up her scholarship if they didn't win a national championship? Whatever. It was a long time ago. Um, And then they played Tennessee in the Elite Eight and got beat badly in that game. But that's the deepest run that Ole Miss has had. And good grief, that was 16 years ago? Is that right? 2007? 13, 23, yeah, that's 16 years ago. Holy cow, that was a long time ago. Yeah. So it's been a while since Ole Miss has been this deep in the tournament. Hey, Dad, did you watch any of it? 
No, I watched the MSU women's game earlier in the day, and I feel like that felt my quota for women's basketball for one day. Lost 70-56 to to Illinois. Tight game for a lot of the game, right? Am I looking at this correctly? Nope. Not at all. I'm looking at the bracket. They lost to Notre Dame yesterday. I'm sorry. They beat beat Illinois Illinois 70 to 56. I was looking at the wrong spot on the bracket. Beat Illinois 70 to 56. And then yesterday against Notre Dame, tight game with Notre Dame on Notre Dame's home Mm -hmm. floor. Notre Dame pulls away at the end. Yeah. I mean, pulls away. They lost by five. But the, the game was just back and forth. They were actually down 10 going into the fourth quarter, came back, put a little comeback together, tied it up, but could just never get over the hump. Um, just just didn't have you know the, the they couldn't make that that shot when they needed bad free throw shooting didn't make a three pointer until late in the, into the game looked like I was watching the men for a second there and uh, but that being said a really good run for Purcell in his first year for a guy who was a first time head coach uh, you know that, that's a good that's a good season for him uh, to get this far yeah. and uh, good, good 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 things going forward for Mississippi State I think in both both sides of the basketball so. Two wins in the NCAA tournament mm-hmm. for the Mississippi State women. It's kind of like we talked about with the the men last week. It's like you win that play in game, and now you really feel like you're a part of it. And then they win the first round game, uh, and then you know lose on the home court of the uh, the opponent. And so the season comes to it. Yeah, I, I would agree with you. Really good first year for uh, for Sam Purcell. Um, got in, and that's all that matters. And then had some success once they got there. I tweeted last night something along the lines of, Twitter tells me that a bunch of you are watching women's college basketball and are being introduced to women's college basketball officiating for the very first time. It's not good. Well, what's weird is good. it has nothing to do, by the way, with the, old, uh, with the Ole Miss-Stanford game last night. Ole Miss had to overcome the officiating down the stretch to get that win, and they did. It was odd because they would they let so much go on the blocks, right? I mean, uh, Stanford had had size on Ole Miss for sure, and and Ole Miss did, was doing right. Uh, Brink, uh, the really tall girl, anytime she got the ball, she I mean, they they beat up on her, which is what you're supposed to do. I mean, it was it was, it was good strategy. She had to earn everything, but they let a lot of that go, and then there'd be like some little touch foul. Uh, beyond the three-point line that they would call. And I mm-hmm. found that bizarre. It's like you're, you're letting these girls really get after each other, and then you're going to blow the whistle on that? Like, what, what are you, what are you doing here? It's inconsistent. Yeah. It, it, it is There's no rivalries. Right. That's, yeah, that's the best way to put it. There is, there is no rhyme or reason, Borky, as to why the game is called that way, and it does not matter who's playing. It, it, it just doesn't. Doesn't matter that it was Ole Miss at Stanford. Doesn't matter if it's Mississippi State at Notre Dame. Doesn't matter. I mean, Gino Ariema, of of all people, a coach that expects his team to get calls. You heard him going ballistic on the officials when they played Tennessee in Knoxville earlier this year. That's just just how it is. Uh, we'll pick this conversation up when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. That work. Sports Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Did you get that memo? Yes, sir. 
Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. We will have winners and losers to start the 4 o'clock hour. We will unpack Mississippi State's weekend in Lexington. We will unpack Ole Miss's weekend in Nashville. We don't have to do either one of those. We really don't. I kind of feel like if we're going to be the show that we claim to be that spends more time talking about college baseball than any other radio show in these United States of America, we probably can't avoid two sweeps. Yeah, when you say unpack, it's like when you open the suitcase and you forgot your swim trunks were in there still wet and everything's mildewed and stinky. That's what we're going to unpack. Yes, yes. This is not coming home with um, all of your clothes have been laundered and folded before you leave your destination. No, it's, it's no. yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do think we need to touch on the two things that, that most people are talking about from that game last night. For, for the people that are talking about Ole Miss women's basketball as they advance to the Sweet 16, they will, by the way, play either Texas or Louisville. Louisville. That's two get Vic pretty Schaefer big versus Cochio. That is a possibility. That mm-hmm. is a possibility. Or what's the what's the men's coach at Louisville? Jeff? The women's coach? Yes, I'm sorry, the women's coach at Louisville. Jeff Walls. Jeff Walls, who has done an outstanding job there. Great and, coach, yeah. And Sam Purcell was Jeff Walls' lead assistant at Louisville before he got the Mississippi State job. Mm-hmm. So there are at least some uh, some loose connections to uh, whoever Ole Miss's opponent will be in the uh, in the Sweet Sixteen, which will be in Seattle on the twenty fourth. So four days from now, that'll be Friday night. Um, I think the thing that more people have discussed than anything is the announcer announcers. Roy Philpot was the play by play announcer last night. Brooke Weisbrod was the analyst. There are a lot of people that um, felt that uh, Brooke was fairly one-sided in her analysis. Uh, people have described her as a cheerleader for Stanford and otherwise. Um, I will say this. I've worked with Brooke a bunch on men's games, maybe maybe a women's game or two along the way as well, but certainly on, on men's games. Um, she has never struck me as somebody who is going into a game with an agenda, trying to do the best job that she can. It did feel like she kind of got wrapped up in the moment of here comes the run from the team that's supposed to win the game. Uh, Some of it was probably a little over the top, but then you look up three minutes after the game is over, she does a pretty good interview with with Coach Yo that was on SportsCenter immediately following the game as well. So... People are going to feel however they feel about announcers. But that certainly is something that a lot of people are talking about today. The the, the ball that was reviewed for out of bounds when she was desperately trying to convince Roy that that ball touched somebody when it did not was... that I mean, I, I was laughing in my living room. I'm like, you've got monitors in front of you. Like, what are you looking at? You're, you're watching the same replay that we're watching. Yeah, the trajectory of the ball definitely changed. Did, did they get a strong gust of wind in the arena? No. It, it, what? And, and then they went to a different angle where it's like, oh, there's like an inch and a half of daylight yeah. between the leg and the ball. <laughs> At which point she goes, ah, maybe it didn't. <laughs> maybe. Maybe. 
And, and that, that was so that's one of the things that people are talking about. Then the other, and, and you had fun with this on Twitter, Borky, was by the way, Cam Brink is a really good women's basketball player. Leads the country in blocks. At one point had more blocks individually than 280 women's basketball teams had as a team this year. She's good. Borky thought there was a a bit of a flop. <laughs> a bit. <laughs> hey, Dan, have you at least seen the clip from this? I have not, so let me let me search it out. Y- hey, you got to find the clip. It worked. She got the call. She got the free throws. I think Borky, she is it on your Twitter, Borky? Uh, no, uh, I just a, a gif representative of of what happened though. <laughs> Uh, you know the the guy that's holding all like he's going to wash his car and he's got like the bucket and all that stuff and then he just like drops it all and falls all over himself. If you've ever seen The Office, when Kevin drops the chili, that's what happened. I mean, LeBron James is envious of that flop. Oh. <laughs> I mean, all right. So I thought the one in the state UConn game was bad a few years ago. That was really bad, right? So there. so here's the Shawn crazy Michaels thing. have been proud of that. Hey, Dad, she flops, gets the call, and then they go to the monitor to review whether that was a flagrant foul on Ole Miss. <laughs> oh, gosh. <sighs> Once they've called the foul, they can't undo the foul. Um, Jeff in soccer, Oxford, she'd have got a yellow card for flopping there. Goodness yes, gracious. Yes. Jeff in Oxford just... says, okay, so we know you're contractually committed to defend her as a colleague. No, I'm not contractually def- committed to defend her. I'm not. Um, but I do know Brooke, and I don't think that there was an agenda there. But I do completely understand how listening to that, you would have thought that. Because I was listening to it, and I thought, ooh, Brooke, you, you, you might might want to back off a little bit. That's that's pretty, that's, yeah. I'm, I'm just not going to throw her under the bus. How about that? We'll leave it there. Winners and losers. That's how we will begin the fourth. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. Be sure to follow them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Visit Oxford MS. We're getting closer to the annual Double Decker Arts Festival. That's Friday, April 28th, and Saturday, April 29th. Headliners on the music side of things on Friday night. Chapel Hart, and then Ashley McBride, and then on Saturday afternoon and Saturday night, Blackberry Smoke, followed by Marcus King. You can see the full music lineup, along with information about vendors and food and all the other stuff that's going on the last weekend of April in Oxford at DoubleDeckerFestival.com or by going to visit OxfordMS.com. You can be part of the conversation on the C Spire text line. We want your winners and losers from the weekend We'll get started with ours in just a couple of minutes. We'll talk with Chris Lamonis in the second segment of this 4 o'clock hour. Then we will get back to your winners and losers as well. Also, we have a Food Friday on a Monday, a weekend review of your cooking. That'll come up in the 5 o'clock hour today as well. 
Sports Talk Mississippi. You can be part of the conversation on the ceasefire text line at 601-879-4395. Check out ceasefire.com for all the deals available to you, whether it's on hardware or software or wireless plans. They've got it for you at ceasefire.com. Let's get into some winners and losers. All I do is win. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Winner never win. And a winner never quit. What did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? That's how we determine winners and losers. I got a loser for you. And we will start there. And it's not where you might think. My loser is St. John's University. And it has nothing to do with who they just hired to be their new basketball coach. St. John's, if you missed the news, is hiring Rick Pitino to be its new coach. A couple of national championships, three different teams to the Final Four, 23 NCAA tournaments, Icky off the floor, we get it, we we know that, but never mind. Just set all of that aside. St. John's is a loser because of what they are doing to Mike Anderson. So Mike Anderson was the most recent guy that St. John's hired to be the savior of a once-proud program. You hear St. John's basketball people immediately talk about Luke Karnaseka, who, it's been a while, right, since since Karnaseka was running that program. But St. John's basketball matters in New York City. It, it, it does. That's the local team that New York City pulls for. Syracuse has tried to be New York City's team, but they're just not. St. John's was, and they've lost some prominence. And that's why they're hiring Rick Pitino. But they fired Mike Anderson for cause. You know what the cause they fired Mike Anderson for was? Now, now they'll tell you it was one thing. But the cause that they fired him for was twofold. One, not winning enough. And two, trying to get out of paying at $11 million that they owed him to make him go away. Because they decided that Rick Pitino was the guy that they needed to hire. But in their statement, they said they were firing him for cause because of a, quote, failure to create and support an environment that strongly encourages student-athletes who are in the men's basketball program to meet all university academic requirements. Failure to perform your duties and responsibilities in a manner that reflected positively on St. John's in actions that brought serious discredit and failure to appropriately supervise and communicate with your assistant coaches. Hmm. I admittedly don't know a ton about what was going on internally at St. John's, but I did a bunch of Arkansas games when Mike Anderson was the head coach there. Mike Anderson got fired from Arkansas because he didn't win enough. They thought that they could hire somebody who could win more. Mike Anderson's character, who he was as a man, who he was in terms of leading that program, was never questioned by anyone that I encountered. He was a gentleman in the game of basketball, and... St. John's is likely going to end up with the same outcome that UConn did 
when kind of strapped for cash, they fired Kevin Ollie, a native son, for cause. And then the court said, no, UConn, you owe him $11 million. Pay him. That's what St. John's is trying to avoid here. And so for that, when you fire a good man just because he didn't win enough, after you fired him and didn't give him the resources that he needed to actually win, and then you try to get out of paying him the money you owe him, you're a loser. So St. John's, you may be a winner with Rick Pitino, but you're a loser for how you're handling Mike Anderson, who is a good man. All right. Winners? We got anything positive to do? A, a couple, and, sure. and it's, it's all encompassing. One, it, the the Cinderellas that were so much fun for the opening weekend, Furman, Princeton, Fairleigh, Dickinson, that, that's just the good stuff and the stories that come with that. Uh, for example, the Dayton band. Fairleigh Dickinson didn't have a pep band to send w- with them to their round of 32 game or their round of 64 game. Didn't have a pep band. So the Dayton band, after they won their first four game, went with them and learned their fight song. And in the NCAA tournament, the Fairleigh Dickinson basketball team heard their fight song for the first time ever. They had no idea what it was or sounded like <laughs> because they don't have a band to play it for them. Uh, so that's that's really cool. It's But the impact that comes with it, I saw these stats over the weekend and it blows my mind. So uh, we all remember Florida Gulf Coast, Dunk City, George Mason, yep. and even Butler was not Butler today at one point. Florida Ghost, Gulf Coast admissions applications when they had their uh, duo of upsets, right? They made the Sweet 16. Went up 28%. Butler's increased 50% when they made their first run. George Mason, when they made their run, had inquiries into admission for acceptance go up 350% after their run in the NCAA tournament. So Princeton didn't need the exposure, but Fairleigh Dickinson and Furman got exposure that they never could have gotten as a university otherwise had they not just won a basketball game. So that is awesome. Hey, Dad, I'm just having trouble wrapping my mind around this alternate pronunciation that Michael Borky is going with today when he calls them Fairly Dickinson. Let them be who they were on Friday. You thought... They won! You thought that the Black Crows was Pat Green. That's true. Oh, is, that, is that the best you, you can do? Farley? That's, that's, Farley Dickinson! That's... that's Worse. Yeah. Why don't, we just, I, why don't we just admit you're both idiots? And we'll just go from there. Uh, I'm an idiot. Yeah, too, okay. I'll wear that. Saying. I'll wear that. Okay. All right. So, uh, winner for me, what a great weekend on the diamond for Mississippi State to start conference playoff with three wins, a sweep. That was fantastic. <laughs> I thought they were, I thought they were really sharp. Uh, they've really been impressed by the way they've been playing this year. Uh, they've had some tough games in the non-conference, but, but you know that they've put themselves in position. I think that they're definitely going to be a regional team. And uh, oh, I'm not talking about baseball, guys. No, no, Mississippi State softball gets the sweep of South Carolina to start conference play. They're 22 and eight on the season. You know, coming off of last year where they hosted their first ever super regional, maybe they can find a way to host a regional this year. You know, they haven't hosted a regional yet. They've hosted a super regional, but not a regional. Maybe this is the year for that. Cool story. Good uh, good weekend for them, and uh, it looked cold. Oh, it looked cold. Not as cold, though, as it looked in Lexington. 
Good grief. Frigid yesterday in Lexington. Not baseball weather. Not at all. No. Not uh, not baseball weather. Uh, Borky, I concur on the uh, the madness that was the weekend. But you had an 11 win and a couple of 12s win, and or maybe one 12 win and a 13 and 14 and a 16. It was incredible. Really good stuff. Now, I've said this before, and I would continue with this. Um, I love the upsets on the opening weekend, but not after the opening weekend. I want to see the best teams that we've seen all season long play each other in high-level games down the stretch. We'll see if we get that. If that makes me a, uh, a curmudgeon or a schmuck or whatever, okay. Hey, Dad says I'm an idiot anyway, so what difference does it make? Any other winners? Any other winners? Trey Turner? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He's glad he's out of L.A. Grand Slam in the win over Venezuela. Come from behind victory for the United States in the World Baseball Classic. Follows it up with a two-home run game against Cuba. United States beat Cuba 14-2. to They will play either Mexico or Japan tomorrow night in the finals of the World Baseball Classic as they try to win that event, the United States does, for the second consecutive year. Chris Lamonis joins us next. Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Will you ever get so excited that you just can't wait? Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams. I've been waiting my whole life for this. Don't touch that dial! Here on Super Talk Mississippi. There she stood in the street. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can visit them online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Book your tee time right now. Only the Oaks is open. The Azaleas, pretty extensive renovation going on right now. Redoing all the bunkers around the greens, and uh, they are scheduled for a mid to late March reopening, and it's going to be fantastic when it happens. So book your tee time, plan ahead for the spring at dancingrabbitgolf.com, part of the Pearl River Resort Studios. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, Brian Haydad, all guests on Sports Talk Mississippi appear on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Chris Lamonis is the head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joins us right now. And Coach, appreciate, as always, some of your time on a, on a Monday. Tough weekend. I, I said to Scott Berry an hour ago when we, were, when we were talking to him, sometimes baseball's hard, and it felt like this was one of those weekends when you look up, you, you get swept on the road. Hello? Coach Lamonas, can you hear us? I got you, I got you. There we go. I was just saying, talking to, to Scott Berry an hour ago after they had a tough weekend, and I just kind of started out our conversation with, man, sometimes baseball is just hard. And, and I wonder if that's one of the things that you're kind of taking away after this weekend in, in Lexington. Uh, you know, it, it is hard, especially in the SEC, but uh, we have a tendency right now to make it a little harder than it should be. So, um you know, we have a you know, we had a seven game win streak going in, played pretty well on Friday night, kinda of feel like we 
we kicked that one away and then uh, just got beat. We, you know, they, they beat us on Saturday, Sunday, but we beat ourselves a good bit too, just not playing fundamental baseball. So, um, but it is tough and the game's not easy and, um, but we just got to do a better job of playing. Is your focus right now in terms of working with your team more on the, the mental side of things, or is it the, the physical, the, the stuff that you have to do, or is it kind of a combination of the two? I think it's a combination of the two. Um, we have to address, like we've talked about the last couple of days, when you know we don't do certain things well, that, that falls on the coaching staff, me at the top. And so you're, you're trying to figure out to correct our weaknesses. and then um, But this is a game of confidence and feeling good about yourself. And so we – you know, to yell and scream and do things that way doesn't really uh, – you don't get what you want. You, you really got to – you know, we got to build these guys up and get them playing good baseball. And we've shown that we can play good baseball. We just have a habit of, you know, uh, playing bad here and there. Coach, we've talked about your defense a lot over the past few weeks, and most of that is just focused on errors. But behind the plate now, if, if I did the math right – your forty opposing teams are forty three of forty six against your catchers on stolen bases. This is an MLB yeah. where you can just go out and make a trade and bring a catcher in. So, what can you do as a coach to help correct that 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 situation? Because that's something that's really been bothering your team these past few weeks. Yeah, it has. Which you know, um, we just spent thirty minutes of our practice working on you know the steal, and the steal is everybody. It's not just your catcher. It's your uh, it's your pitchers being quick to the plate and their timings. It's your middle infielders catching balls and making tags. It's your catchers, you know, getting throws off and making throws in the right way. So we, we, we're spending more time on it. We, uh, we actually, you know, our first weekend, we gave up a ton to that VMI group. So our, you know, I feel like they're a little skewed, but it really hadn't been an issue the last couple of weeks until, uh, Saturday, Sunday. And then, uh, we got exposed a little bit with Kentucky. So, you know, we play Louisiana, Lafayette and Nichols in the middle. Louisiana Lafayette is as good a stolen base team as you'll find. We threw out a couple of their players there and, you know, really defended the steal well. And then just this weekend, we just didn't do a good enough job. But we're working on it. I mean, it's one of those things. And like I said, it's, it's, it's hard to win when you don't throw enough strikes and then you're giving up the stolen base. And, and that comes back on me. So it's uh, something we're having to put more time and effort into. Coach, uh, the word approach is a word that fans love to use. I, I see it in my mentions all the time, the hitting approach and pitching approach. And I think, just speaking for myself too, I don't know that people who outside of baseball really know what approach is. So what my question is, when you think about your team's approach at the plate, at the, on the mound, in the field, do you feel like it's good right now or is there something that, that needs to be tweaked there? Well, I felt like it was good until Saturday. So, um, you know, we weren't real good. And actually our offensive approach, we're just, you know, we got to do a better job of driving in runs at the end. We're one of the top on-base percentage teams out there. I mean, we're getting on base. We're getting in spots. But when it gets to when we get runners in scoring position, we got to do a better job of, I don't even talk about getting in runs, just getting good swings off, hitting good pitches. Um, and that's probably where we're struggling a little bit there. Um, but just the aggressive side, we just need to be more aggressive, more aggressive offensively. More aggressive, you know, on the on the rubber. More aggressive defensively. Um, <clears throat> I think that's the biggest thing. When we play tentative uh, is when we get beat. Visiting with Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. Do you have to have a conversation with your team where you say, "Okay, we put this weekend behind us and and we move forward." But moving forward does not mean that it gets any easier. When, when you've got Vanderbilt coming in, and then you got South Carolina, who I think is probably better than anybody thought was going to be. And it just keeps coming week after week. 
Yeah, and we have a, you know, like I said, our league is probably as good as it's ever been this year. It's a, it's a really good league. It's an old league. So it, it really, the, the emphasis, I don't talk a lot, but, you know, everybody's good. So it's about us playing good, you know. So we, we really don't spend a lot of time besides our scouting reports talking about our opponent. You know, it's, it's more about us. If we if we got to come out and do things the right way. And if we start getting focused on the opponent, then it just, you know, we're not getting better ourselves. So, um, you know, so like for us, it's just, you know, we got to play better. We got to defend better. We got to run better. All those type of things instead of, because, I mean, you look at ours all the way through. We, we, there's not an easy, I think everybody we play is top 25. If I'm not mistaken, or it's been top 25, you know, so it's, it just is what it is. That's what you, when you pick to be in this league, that's what you get, you know, so uh, we have to do a better job and, and, and be ready to play. Chris, you mentioned a second ago that you, you felt like going into that, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth, but I think you said felt like going into that Kentucky series, you guys were playing well. You had won seven in a row. Were there things that were happening in terms of like the little things and doing stuff right in in that window of games where you kind of got it rolling a little bit that, that you think you can recapture and and put this past weekend behind you? I do. I think you, you know, you see us, I think we got seven quality starts, right? I mean, when you get seven quality starts, it's easier on the bullpen. It's easier on the game. It's easier to play the game. I mean, the, the two of the four games, two of the three games this weekend were, were down four nothing in the first. <laughs> you know, like, it's just, just hard to, you know, and we do a great job in both those games. We come back in both those games, but it, it expends your bullpen and then we lose in the fifth or sixth when their guy went five or six. And, and so we got to get better starts. And I, I thought Gerangelo actually for a freshman Friday night in the SEC, you know, like, like he told me, Coach, I'm never fishing in that cold. You know, like it was cold Friday <laughs> night, you know, like, yeah. and, he, and he, you know, but he gutted it out. Like he had the bad first inning. He fought to get out of it. Then he gave us a great start. He gave us a chance to win. And so, but we need quality starts. I mean, that's, that's a big thing with us right now. I mean, when we, when we get a good start, our bullpen works a lot better and it's easier to manage. It's easier to do everything. And uh, we just got to be a little bit better. We got to command the zone better. When you talked to us last week, Coach, you said that you had some players that were injured that you thought were close to getting back, but you were concerned about putting them out there in the cold weather this past weekend. Now you're coming back to Starville. The weather should be better uh, here this weekend. Do you think we might see some of those guys, Cade Smith, uh, Aaron Nixon, maybe Piku Khan this weekend? I think you may see one, (laughs) so I don't want to jinx it, but I think hopefully we see one this week and maybe another next week. But this when you come back to the rehab world, you just don't know. You know, good days and bad days. And um, so, you know, we had a bunch of them throw today, and we're just monitoring. We just, the worst thing I can do is put them out there too early. And if I put them out there too early, then they're, then we don't get the right guy back. So hopefully we can, uh, you know, we can get them back at the right time. Still going Bradley Lofton this Tuesday, or, or you're making a change there for the midweek? No, we're, we're going to go Bradley here. He didn't pitch this weekend. We had him on the roster for the weekend, but – we didn't, we didn't pitch him on the weekend, so he'll pitch tomorrow and then you know possibly the next weekend pitch. Coach, last thing, we'll let you go. Only about 30 seconds are left. Just a quick thought on Hunter Hines and Kellum Clark. That's two guys, 10 home runs, seven home runs, seem to be swinging it and seeing it pretty well. Yeah, Hunter and, and Kellum both had good weeks. I mean, Hunter had, you know, probably probably put himself, you know, back in the race for one of the better hitters in the league after the week he had. I mean, just some monster home runs with some good swings and we spoke uh, actually today right at practice about just how easy it looked for him in terms of not trying to do too much. And when he tried, he's probably about the only guy that can consistently get himself out. You know, the, 
the, the pitchers, I mean, when he's right and he's right locked in, it's just he is really good. And then Kellum, he had some big hits over the weekend. He's such a competitive kid and a fun kid to coach. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's fun to see him have success like he did this weekend. Always appreciate your time. Know these Mondays are busy. Look forward to uh, talking to you again next week. Thanks so much. Okay. Thanks, guys. Take care. That's Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State, joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll take a quick timeout, and we'll be back with you after this. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross, and this is Sports Talk Mississippi. is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. to go back and get your winners and losers, but first, a couple of reactions on the ceasefire text line from our conversation with Chris Lamonis. First one, Chris Lamonis will never make it until May. The next one, at some point, the excuses have to stop, and Lamonis needs to actually coach like he was brought in to do. Losing 15 straight SEC games, I think it's 14, is absolutely unacceptable. Went from a blue blood powerhouse to an absolute joke of a baseball program. I understand the the opinions related to the losing streak. I didn't hear any excuses. I, I thought Chris Lamonis very directly answered everything we did. And and I will say, like as an aside, I don't I don't know exactly how. Some of you, and I'm just painting with a broad brush, would like us to conduct these interviews when things aren't going well. Right? I mean, when when things are going well, it's real easy to be chatty and to ask fun questions and easy questions and for coaches to glow about their pitchers and their hitters and the environment and the atmosphere and all of that stuff. But... Chris Lamonis and Scott Berry and Mike Bianco have been incredibly gracious with us with their time on Mondays for, ooh, how long have we been doing this now? Five years? Something like that. Since I started, yeah. And it was going on before you got here. Yeah, and yeah. and so if, if you think we're ever, and, and I, I'm not, please understand, I'm not talking down when I say this. I'm, I'm trying to kind of help you understand like the relationship piece of it. If you're one of the people that's like, oh, all they do is make excuses. Oh, you got to ask the hard-hitting questions. There are relationships there, and we appreciate how gracious they've been with their time. And so we're going to ask questions. I mean, Brian Haydad asked him very directly, you've allowed 43 of 46 base stealers to reach successfully. How do you fix it? That's about as direct as you can ask that question. And it's not one that he shied away from. But we're going to really try to be respectful in the way that we ask those questions. Because these coaches don't have to do uh, and this. I, 
It's funny that you bring this up because this was a topic on today's Thunder and Lightning podcast because you hear, especially from state fans right now, you guys have got to get in there and ask the tough questions. The fans that ask that say you got to ask the tough questions are the same fans that laugh at us when we ask a tough question and we get a coach speak smart, can I say, no. kind of response. Ah, it's a shame. Well, you know, smart Alec response. Oh, oh, you don't have to tell you anything, you guys. You just ask whatever you want. It doesn't matter. So it's you can't win. So we're just going to ask the questions that we ask. But if you want to ask tough questions, my friend, start your own media organization, get credentialed. They will welcome you up there. Will they? They let me sit in the press box. They'll let anybody sit up there. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I I just got to be honest. It's one of my favorite parts of the week, win or lose, during baseball season. Yeah. The fact that th- those <laughs> I guys wish we could get it with the football us... and the, base, the basketball coaches. Yeah. Could you imagine? I would. What I want from Ole Miss is to have a camera on Lane Kiffin when he is asked to do a specific time on our show for 13 weeks. I just want Lane Kiffin. That's all we need. One time to be on this show. That's all I want. One time, Lane. Don't be afraid. I don't bite. He's been on once. Keith loves twice. me. No. Oh, it's twice. Win. No, no, live, not pre-recorded. He's been on live once and pre-recorded a couple of times, I think. I must have missed that day. It's not fear; it's lack of give a. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. Yeah, no. the The very first time he was on with us, I remember thinking a lot about okay, what can I ask to try and get something out of him? And I tried to ask him about his mom and maybe what her relationship was like with the boys and the husband and all of that growing up in a football family. And he was not even remotely interested in going down that road. And I was like, oh, okay, well, we'll see what we can get out of it. Um, yeah, he's kind of been fun to interview though in short segments, like for. That's the thing, though. Like when I interview, him not all, for, not not at halftime in Starkville, though. That's not a fun interview. No, that was the best interview. It was the best. <laughs> I mean, those things are bleeping annoying. <laughs> that was great. It was great. Uh, yeah, uh, you, <laughs> even if you you love the cowbells with all your heart, you've got to admit that's funny. Yeah, it's hilarious. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um, it, it shows that their intended effect is is nailing it. It works. Yeah. The um, I was going to say it was about like his pregame interviews. It, it, he's really engaging for the first two and a half or three minutes. Like ask a good question, ask a couple of good questions, get a good couple of answers. But if I'm sitting there talking to him one on one, I can noticeably tell his demeanor changes. His voice inflection changes a little bit. The length of his answers changes a little bit. And his body language changes a little bit. And I know he's done. So we'll go ahead and wrap it up at that point. This, this is like a ten-and-a-half-minute segment, though. And so, anyway, we'll, we'll see. I, I'll look. I'll ask. I'll, I'll ask if he wants to come on every Monday during football season. I'll ask Arnett. I, I bet I'd, I, I... I guarantee Will Hall will come on with us. I guarantee it. Weekly, you think? I think Will Hall would do that. We'll see. We'll, uh, we'll we're going to try. Yeah. I can already tell you the answer on one of the three. I mean, well, ask anyway because you know 
Well, well, look, if it would work with his schedule, it's Lane. Better, that's the one he's talking about. Yes, <laughs> I, I would. I would be willing to go and do that interview at, at his convenience, even if it wasn't live at a specific time. Just put a microphone in front of Juice's face, man. ASMR does numbers on the internet too, so we can clip that. Just like a dog <laughs> sniffing a microphone, we'd kill it. <laughs> Somebody Juice sniffing ASMR. I hope this is a Southern Miss fan. Somebody said, Will Hall's life is on the line. <laughs> Remember, he said that. Yeah, he I said know, that. That's, he, why, like, that's why yeah. I read the... Yes. All right, let's life rewind on the, on the C Spire text on line. On too. We'll see what we can do. Uh, two things. Well, I've got a loser I want to bring up. And also, I don't mean to pick on this texter, but somebody says he can't go catch the ball for them and Fox can't pitch for them either. I understand what when people say things like that. Like I understand because... You should expect an SEC shortstop to to make a routine play, right? Like that, that's something that should happen. However, in football, basketball, and baseball, with the exception of Texas A and M, the coaches are paid the most. They're the ones making the seven figure salaries. They're the ones that are putting the rosters together. It all falls on their shoulders. If the players aren't making the plays, it's the coach's fault. At the end of the day, they're the face of the program. They're the seven figure salary. They're the ones that recruit the players. They're the ones that coach the players. Any failure on the field, at the end of the day, lies at the feet of coaches. Always. Always. In college sports, where you control your roster. Every player on your roster is under your control. In the NFL, not so much. In college, it's all your fault or to your credit at the end of the day. I guess in the way that a coach is judged, that's true. That's how a coach should be judged. Yeah, but I mean, sometimes things happen that are outside the coach's control. I mean, in one game in a particular circumstance, sure. Like, if a player drops a wide-open touchdown pass in the fourth quarter of the Egg Bowl that would have won the game. Yeah, yeah, okay, sure, sure. But no, I I mean, like, if we rewind to last year's Mississippi State team, should they have lost 11 straight SEC games to close out the regular season and miss the tournament? No. Are there things that happened to that team last year that caused them to be in a spot where they lost 11 straight games that Chris Lamonis had nothing to do with? Yeah. I mean, eight significant injuries to pitchers including maybe the best pitcher in the country. I mean, that's not the coach's fault. That just kind of happens. It does, which is why he didn't get fired at the, the end spot. of last year. You have to find that spot, though. It's you know, If you, you say, well, he can't do this, he can't. when do you blame the coach? At what point do I say, okay, it's the coach's fault? Because I can't fire the players. Yeah, no, that's fair. I can't fire them all. I mean, look. So there has to be a point where you say, this is the coach's responsibility. I mean, you've said this, hey, Dad, since the, before the season began, that if Mississippi State misses the SEC tournament again, then... Mm-hmm. I think he's in trouble. Th- then you think Chris Lamonis will be in trouble. I, if, look, man, state schedule? Remember how we talked about it was easier on the front end than it was on this the back end? This is the easy part, yeah. Ho- ho- but, but hold on, all of a sudden you, you, you look at that schedule through a slightly different lens? Hey, you just got swept by Kentucky... You just saw what Vanderbilt did to Ole Miss in Nashville this weekend. That's coming to your mm-hmm. place in week two. Mm-hmm. Week three, you got Starkville. I, I'm sorry, South Carolina in Starkville. 
Did you watch any South Carolina this weekend? They run They're good. Georgia twice, and they've got a good rotation, mm-hmm. and they lead the country in home runs. And then it's Alabama on the road, who got mm-hmm. one and should have gotten two against Florida. And then it's Ole Miss. I mean, that Super Bulldog weekend could be huge for both teams. Just need one. Road trip to Auburn? Road trip to Tennessee? I don't think they're going to flounder the whole year. And then it's that Arkansas, LSU, A&M stretch. Life in the SEC. What we're going to do right here is go back. And now back to to the sports. This is Sports Talk Mississippi. So let's get rolling. On Super Talk Mississippi. Last few minutes of the 4 o'clock hour with you on this Monday. 5 o'clock hour is going to be a sprint. We'll start things off with the college football fix, then visit with Mike Bianco, the head baseball coach at Ole Miss, then get to a food weekend wrap-up presented by Polk's because we were not with all of you on uh, Friday afternoon for a normal food Friday. And then we'll try to throw in a few more things as well. A couple of days we get to take a breath until the NCAA tournament begins again. Don't want to ignore your winners and losers. You sent us a bunch of them. Try to plow through as many as we can quickly to wrap up the 4 o'clock hour. Winner, the World Baseball Classic as a whole, but more specifically Trey Turner. I've been out of the MLB world a bit, but my goodness, this USA team is loaded. They are. Have you guys watched any of the World Baseball Classic? A little bit of it. A little. A little. Yeah. Man, I think tomorrow night, what, 6 o'clock Central for Miami, FS1, I think, unless they've moved the channel. That's kind of appointment viewing. You have the United States playing for the World Baseball Classic title against yeah. either Japan or Mexico, who's the only team to beat them in, in I guess they did in pool play. Yeah, this year? the the takesmen are out again about how it's meaningless and, and MLB players shouldn't be allowed because Altuve took a ball off the hand, and he's going to be out for a couple of months. And uh, Just listen to the players talk. L- listen to them. Watch their... You don't even have to hear them talk. You can just see the emotion and how much it means to them. But if the World Baseball Classic is meaningless, what is spring training? Yeah, I mean, this is just a different version of spring training, it, where it, the games mean a little bit more. Yeah. It's like, They're being really uh, careful with pitchers. And Adam Wainwright said after his performance yesterday, he's like, I've never pitched in an environment like that. See, that's awesome. And Altuve could have taken a ball off the hand in spring training and be out two months sure. in spring training also. It's just goofy. The The whole discourse around it is just angry Mets and Astros fans. That's what it is. Derek and Greenwood, winners and losers are easy. Ole Miss women's basketball winners. Ole Miss baseball losers. Ole Miss baseball fan reaction. Losers. Okay. Uh, here's another one. Loser, Ole Miss and Mississippi State baseball. Winner, Ole Miss Lady Rebels. Best team in Mississippi this weekend by far. Winners, Mississippi State softball swept South Carolina. That's from Madden Starkville. Here's another one. Winner, Trey Turner. Loser. This one's interesting to me. I know. Golf tape. Loser, live golf. Yeah. All the stars are just showing up and playing average golf. The playoff this weekend included Danny Lee, Carlos Ortiz, Louis Oosthuizen, and Brendan Steele. No, DJ, Kepka, Phil, Bryson, Cam Smith, any of the other guys in the top ten. Yeah, all of them have 
have played poorly, but that's not even really why they're losers. Did you read the reporting from Alan Shipnuck this morning? I did not. So, so Liv had a players' meeting this uh, this week before their event, and he talked to players that were in the meeting and, and learned some things about what is happening with Liv. First of all, they were made under the impression that they were playing 10 events this year instead of 14. They increased it from 10 to 14. Pay didn't go up a dollar. Now, they're handsomely played, paid, don't get me wrong, but they are playing more events than their contract says they were supposed to. Pay didn't increase at all. They are no longer being flown from event to event on that super extravagant private jet. They've got to figure it out on their own. All of the extravagant parties and the food and all that stuff is back to uh, what the PGA Tour does, basically, which is like sandwiches and snacks in the clubhouse, and, and that's it. Uh, the, the team pot. So if your team won, you would get money? Not anymore. That goes right back uh, to live. Um, the broadcasters, you're seeing some, like the, the union of like the, the cameramen and, and the producers and all that stuff, all their benefits have been taken away. Mm. No, no health insurance, no benefits that they initially were uh, agreed to receive when they decided to start working for uh, for live so it's being the the belt is is being tightened and, and stripped down and none of the stars are playing any good because it's almost like when you don't incentivize winning people don't try to win but everything else is kind of falling apart as well already this is year two shocking we, we should all be shocked that <laughs> that the people that put together live might not be keeping their word uh, you got to read it. It's long read, but man, it's they, these guys were duped. They they were straight up duped. They were recruited, and, and then everything was taken away. Now they're still making a boatload of money. I don't feel bad for a single one of them, but it's not what they thought it was going to be. Gibbon Greenwood on the ceasefire text line. Winner, first three legs of the parlay. Loser, Memphis. Uh, Mike in Oxford. Hey, Dad, this one's for you. My loser is that dung heap of a baseball stadium in Nashville. No bathrooms or concession stands in the baseball facility. One must either go to the football stadium or Memorial Gymnasium. Winner, Mississippi State Tennis. They beat number 2 South Carolina 5-2. to two. Uh, Calvin Harris is the only winner from Ole Miss Baseball this weekend. He's, he's swinging it really well. Had a really good weekend. Another winner, Dylan Brooks. He's the kind of psycho I want on my team. Okay? Thank you for your contributions to winners and losers. Sports Talk Mississippi, 5 o'clock hour. College football fix coming up next. Sports in Mississippi. You'll hear about it here. Here. Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Here we go. Five o'clock hour. 
more with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad. I'm Richard Cross, and we are coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Great time at Pearl River Resort at the Sportsbook on Friday afternoon. It was the start of a big weekend there. They had the the Millie and Philly poker tournament going on. Somebody won. I mean, how was your weekend? Not as good as the person that won that and walked away with... What did they tell us three hundred fifty thousand dollars. Are the three fifty was oh, the guarantee, yeah. and walked away with a hundred thousand on Sunday evening. Hmm. Hmm. You think that person slept well last night or will tonight? Probably so. My guess would be yes. But great time at the uh, sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. We're coming to you from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Visit them online at pearlriverresort.com. You can be a part of the conversation. On the ceasefire text line, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from ceasefire business. Ceasefire.com slash business. Let's do it. Little college football fix. Football fix driven by your local Mississippi Ford dealers. I drove by my local Ford dealer earlier today and thought, man, they got a heck of a selection of trucks out there. Trucks, expeditions. Don't forget, it's Truck Month, Mississippi. F 150, F Series best selling trucks, 46 straight years. All new Ford Super Duty. And if you're looking for a pickup, they've got the Ranger and the Maverick. Test drive one today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Practices are back. Everybody's back from spring break. Ole Miss's rough plan for practices Tuesdays, Thursdays, Saturdays with Grove Bowl on Saturday, April 15th, and then they'll have one more week of practice or a couple of practice sessions after their spring game on the 15th of April. Mississippi State had a couple of practices before spring break began, and then, hey, Dad, they return to the practice field today, tomorrow? T- tomorrow, Thursday, and Saturday. Okay, so they're doing the Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, every other day thing. Are, is yeah. is the maroon and white game also April 15th? Part it of is. Super Bulldog weekend? Correct. And that will be an actual game this year. You know, under Mike Leach, it was always more of a sort of a controlled practice, and it wasn't really a game. Zach Arnett has said this is going to be a true full scrimmage like it used to be. Oh, well, that's cool. Yeah. I don't know I don't know who is broadcasting that game, but that is a relief that it's like, oh, we're gonna play football? Cool. Yeah. So we need the Richard Cross double feature that day. Come to Starville, you get Davis Wade and Diddy Noble, we'll give them both to you. That would be great. I got a note last week that I'm doing the old miss game with Chris Doring, I think. Um, so it would be hard for me oh, to do cool. both of those in the same day. That'd be a heck of a day. I mean, like, if there was a way to schedule it where I could do the Ole Miss spring game, the state spring game, and Ole Miss state baseball, that would be that would be awesome. Those are the same day? Yes. Ole Miss's spring game is April 15th, the same day oh, that wow. Ole Miss is playing baseball in Starkville against Mississippi State. And raise my hand here. Is that that's odd, right? Isn't it normally part of like a big weekend where you got home baseball and all that? Yes, but 
I think that is quite acceptable locally because you're milking that another the Morgan weekend. Wallen concert. Well, yeah. so so the the three weekend stretch is April fifteenth is Grove Bowl weekend, so that'll be football. Mm-hmm. April twenty second is Morgan Wallen on Saturday and Sunday and LSU baseball in town. And mm-hmm. April Massive. 29th is double decker with home baseball as well. So so adding y'all have fun. So yeah, so adding a spring football game to one of those two following weekends would be a little a little insane. Going to be some traffic in Oxford those weekends, I think. I think you might have trouble getting around a little bit. As the husband of someone who's Livelihood thrives on traffic. <laughs> Boom! Great scheduling. I am for it. There you go. I am for it. Um, all right. Well, I, did, I did not know that, so never mind. Then. Yeah. Yeah, maybe we all learned something. So, Mike Bianca will join us in the next segment on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. We talked a couple of weeks ago, before spring break, about things that you were looking to see during Mississippi State spring practice. Same question for Ole Miss. What do you think Lane Kiffin is looking to see over the next four weeks? Let's avoid the word quarterback, although that is something that he's looking to see. And I mean, people have reported that Spencer Sanders has not been throwing at, at, during these pre-spring practice workouts. So it, if, if he is a go, then of course a competition begins, and that is interesting. But... You know what Jackson Dart is capable of already in the SEC. You've seen it. You know you are, at worst, in pretty good hands at quarterback. If Spencer Sanders beats him out, then, hey, you've upgraded at quarterback from what you saw last year. And so they're known commodities. It's interesting. It's a battle. But you know what they're capable of. It's not like you're being introduced to two new guys that you haven't seen before and you get your first look at Jackson Dart in the spring game. You already know what he's capable of and and what he can do. So, to me, there's a far more compelling storyline at quarterback. Walker Howard? Walker Howard. Not for this coming year, but but if you're curious about what the future looks like at the quarterback position, that's the guy you're watching. Jackson Dart's going to be the quarterback. Now, hold on. Let me put some sort of a qualifier (laughs) on that. I don't want to speak in defense. You need to learn your lesson on that. Only a Sith deals in absolutes, Richard. I I, um, I think Jackson Dart is going to be the quarterback. But to me, the Walker-Howard piece of it is interesting. You're talking about a five-star quarterback that was highly recruited out of Louisiana, goes to LSU, kind of as a matter of circumstance, gets pushed to third on that death chart. And again, I, I don't think it was really anything that Walker-Howard did or didn't do that pushed him to third. I think it was, um, oh, I just completely froze. Name of the quarterback. No. Nussmeyer. The starter. Oh, Daniels. Jaden Daniels. Jaden Daniels decides to come back for another year. Nussmeyer was the guy that got the opportunity to kind of come in as the backup and in the bowl game and played pretty well, and so it was going to be harder to kind of unseat him. And you, you start looking down the line, and you're like, well, it, it could be a while. Then you look to a spot at Ole Miss, and you think, okay, Lane Kiffin, pretty good developer of quarterbacks. Quarterbacks usually put up pretty good numbers. Jackson Dart, two years at the most, maybe just a year. 
Let's go get in that system and get ready. To me, that's the the, the thing that's most interesting in the spring about the quarterback position. Yeah. And, and I, I do agree with you. I, I think it will end up being Jackson Dart again. He put up better numbers in it. In a system that he started learning in February, and uh, obviously a more difficult league. So anyway, but it's Pete Golding, I think, absent quarterback because quarterback's the the cop out, the low hanging fruit. It's it's Pete Golding. You, we haven't mentioned that name in a while. Alabama's defensive coordinator is now now at Ole Miss, and and Lane Kiffin played against him three times. By the way, that's you know. Not many people left are doing the whole he sucks thing, but to those people that are, if you think Lane Kiffin's a a smart offensive mind, would he have played against him three times and coached with him and still hired him if he sucked? Uh, Anyway, but what's the system going to look like? What what kind of things like formations? And I mean, you you think you know what they have on the defensive line? Ivy and uh, Johnson are back, and Pegues is back, and they got the big defensive tackle from NC State, and Gordon's back, so you feel pretty good there. They portaled well in the secondary. Linebacker's a, a huge question, but that's what I'm interested to see, just kind of how things look defensively. They're not going to show us much in the in the spring game, because you never do, but you'll get to see things like alignment and personnel. And with a new D.C., that is something interesting other than just a quarterback battle, which we will talk about a lot, but it gives us something else to, to look into and, and to see. You're going to need a program. It's all defense. Or a roster. It's all defense for me. Yeah, Borky's right. It's all defense. I mean, that's why Ole Miss lost five games last year. I mean, Alabama, maybe they didn't score enough, but LSU, they gave up, what, 40-some-odd unanswered. Mississippi State, they couldn't get State off the field, and they had, you know, they let state kind of control the the the, the tempo in that game. Carved uh, up by Arkansas. Uh, got carved up by Arkansas and in Texas Tech as well. So that's Ole Miss has to be better defensively. Right now, it looks like two years ago was an anomaly when they were good defensively. They immediately regressed last season, and and now this year, if they're not any better, it doesn't matter what Judkins and Dart do. It, it doesn't matter because you you're still going to lose games because you can't stop anybody. Uh, an offshoot of the quarterback conversation. If you're looking for a position to watch, I think you better watch wide receiver. They've got to be better at receiver than they have been the last two years. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. Mike Bianco joins us next on the Farm Bureau Guest Line. Back to Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, Supertalk TV, and, of course, on your Supertalk Mississippi radio stations. We're joined now by Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. At the risk of sounding redundant, I'll start this conversation the way I did with both uh, Scott Berry and uh, Chris Lamotis. Uh, Mike, sometimes baseball is hard. And it feels like this was one of those weekends where it was hard for a lot of teams. Yeah, um, yeah, but uh, I don't coach a lot of teams, so you know, I, I don't, uh, I don't know what everybody else did. But yeah, we uh, we had a bad week. We had a bad week, and so um, you know, it's uh, it's been a t- you know tough couple of days and trying to figure it out. 
to watch some film and, you know, a lot of meetings and trying to, you know, figure it out. You know, obviously not to start the conference play that we wanted. You've been coaching for a while. It's obviously not the first time that you've gone through a stretch where your team didn't play the way you wanted to or you didn't get the results you wanted to. So as you've kind of gone through some of those things, what have you learned? What have you discovered? Well, I I think it's all different. I think that's one of the things about college baseball and college athletics in general. I mean, it's not, well, hey, when you get swept, this is what happened. I mean, it's uh, every team's different. Uh, And so uh, when, when we look back, this i think just in roll uh one you know uh, we played a very good vanderbilt team on the road that played really well and pitched it really well and you know we combine that with you know probably not playing very well ourselves and uh you know to get to it's a it's a bad mix and when that happens in our league it you know it gets ugly and obviously you know three games that we just um you know weren't really close and uh, just a disappointing finish. We got to got to do a lot of things better. Obviously, we got to uh, you know got to pitch it better. You can't you know can't win a weekend giving up 27 runs, but we got to hit it better. You know, only scored four runs, and you know that was the the the, the one thing that we were pretty consistent on. You know, throughout this season so far was you know offensively some of that your cap. You know, the, especially you know and then. And, uh, day two, uh, we're, we're fabulous, but we got to do a better job offensively. And then you know, defensively, you know, we've been really stellar and, uh, and you know, we commit four error in field. So, uh, a lot of, a lot of growing pains there for, for one weekend. In, in terms of the, the pitching piece of it, um, you, you can't go out and trade for new pitchers or, or add pitchers to your roster through free agency in the middle of the season. So what do you do with your guys in terms of, of working with them to try and get them to perform at a higher level? Well, uh, you're exactly right. Uh, you know, but, um, you know, the thing is, you know, we well in spots. And, you know, the bad part is, you know, we just couldn't get off the field in certain innings and uh, let the score balloon on us. Uh, but in each game, you could go back and look where, you know, Jack, I think there was a stretch where he didn't get a hitter out like four or five at bats. And it's just a for disaster. You know, Sonia actually, without hitting, when it he, he gives up, you know, a three, a three run homer or two run homer. And, Porky, I hate to do this, but uh, it sounds like we've got a bad connection there with Coach Bianco. I don't know if we can try maybe one more time and see if we can get him back on. Uh, you're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi, visiting with Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss on the Farm Bureau guest line. He was kind of talking about the uh, the pitchers and their individual performances, and I think was kind of the, the up and down of, of guys on the mound, talking about Jack Doherty pitching well for stretches and then having uh, a stretch where he kind of ran into um, – uh, some luck that was was less fortuitous, and then the same thing with uh, Grayson Saunier and uh, and Rivas as well. Ole Miss is back at home this week. They've got Arkansas Pine Bluff tomorrow night in a midweek game, and then this weekend um, the Rebels host the Florida Gators, who are coming off of a series win at home against um, against Alabama. Uh, won the first game with uh, Brandon Sprode on the mound and then followed it up and uh, split the, the final two games. I think we've got Mike Bianco again. And, Coach, I think you were just kind of talking about your pitchers with uh, with Jack and then with Grayson, kind of having some bright moments and then falling into a spot where they didn't pitch as well. 
Yeah, you know, we just we we got to be able to get off the field and make some pitches. You know, uh, when you look, you know, back at it, when you look at the film, when you look back at the charts. I mean, there was some innings where they pitched really well, uh, but then you know they gave up a hit, they walked the next guy, we made an error, we just let innings, you know, just kind of compound on us. We got to do a better job, and so uh, that that's stuff that I, I I think can get corrected, and part of it's just you know maturity and confidence, and you know, I think some of those younger guys and some of those newer guys. Uh, have pitched a, a little bit better, but certainly we, we need more out of them. You've always put a premium on the, the catcher position, and I feel like people have always said, you know, Mike Pieco was a catcher, so he cares a lot about catcher. It's just an important piece of baseball, whether you played that position or not. Did you see this coming with Calvin Harris in, in terms of both what he does behind the plate, handling the pitching staff, but also what he's doing with his bat? Well, you know, um, I don't think any of us doubted recruiting him that you know he was going to be a, a catcher, you know, in our program. And uh, you're right, we've had a lot of success with catchers, and we're hard on catchers. There's a, there's a high expectation when catchers come into our program, uh, but unfortunately for him, you know, he sat behind a pretty good one and uh, Hayden Dunhurst for a couple of years. You know, offensively, um, you know, we, we thought he had a chance to be a good player. I don't know if we thought he'd you know be you know the the number three hitter you know, in the lineup and carry us like he's you know he's carried us to this point. But uh, I'm proud of you know uh, the adjustments he's made and how he's grown as a hitter you know over the last year. That that's for sure. When you have a weekend like you just had, do you worry at all about the mental piece in terms of you know disappointment and frustration and guys kind of getting down on themselves? Do you spend some time focusing on that when you kind of go back to practice to make sure everybody's in a good mindset? Uh, I think you always worry about that. I mean, not just when you lose, but I think when you have success too. I think that's you know part of the game that we've all learned you know, over the last twenty years is you know the the mental game and hear so much about the process and present moment. Uh, but also, you know, part of that you know mental game is toughness. You know, and being able to handle bad weather, being able to handle bad calls, being able to handle not playing well. And, you know, some of that is not just, hey, you know, making sure you feel good and have confidence. So, uh, you know, confidence is an action. You know, you can't give somebody confidence. Uh, they, you know, they either act kind of or they don't. You know, it's not something, it's not a gift that you give them. Um, and so, yeah, we, I think we're always, you know, talk about it. We're always concerned about where they are up and down. Final thing for you, this uh, this week looking ahead, four games, got the midweek game against Arkansas Pine Bluff tomorrow night, and then a uh, pretty talented Florida team coming in this weekend. Yeah, pretty talented. That That's a nice way of saying it. No, they're real good. Tomorrow uh, night we'll start JT Quinn and uh, run run a you know a handful of pitchers out there tomorrow. You know, continue to try to get guys to grow and uh, continue to, to to get better. And then yeah, huge challenge our first home SEC weekend. You know, weather's supposed to be beautiful. So yeah, hopefully we can uh, you know get back on the on the winning column. Mike, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. Thank you. That's Mike Bianco, head baseball coach at Ole Miss. Cut him loose a couple of minutes earlier than normal. They have a tough connection there. Uh, Mike joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. I think what you could hear there was, um, I think, some frustration in the way that his team played, um, but also some determination to figure it out and try and kind of get it going in the right direction in a hurry and in the same way that we talked about Mississippi State's schedule earlier, 
same deal with Ole Miss's schedule, right? I mean, that that you come off the road trip to Vanderbilt, and then you get a top five team coming in to your place in Florida, and then you got to go on the road to Texas A and M, and then you get Arkansas at home, and then you got to go to. I mean, it just it just keeps coming over and over and over, and there's no time, right? I mean, you, you don't get the luxury of. You know, let's take a week off and really focus on ourselves and get some good practice in and see if we can kind of recalibrate and get rolling. Mike Bianco might like that. Chris Lamonis might like that right now. You don't get that. In the case of Ole Miss, it's a game on Tuesday night, and then you go Friday, Saturday, Sunday. In the case of Mississippi State, it's Tuesday and Wednesday, and then Friday, Saturday, Sunday this week. Is that right? Did I just make that? No, it was last week where it was two midweek games. Sorry. Hey, Dad, your mic's off. Um, there we go. Something, no? Did he just magically go Wasn't away? My well, once again, this network is trying to silence me. Perhaps. I think Borky just did it again. <laughs> just, now you're being played games with, though. You know, everybody might like a, a, a week to reset and kind of get back to it, but you don't get that once the season starts. No, not in this conference. No, it's uh, the which, SEC. Which is why it, it's so important not to shoot yourself in the foot and... and State repeatedly does that, and almost did that Thursday. I mean, it didn't give themselves chances and played cleaner defensively the next couple of games, but they were bad in the field on Thursday. And because of that, you said the word compounded. That's a good word. If if you can't throw strikes, if you can't get guys out, then your offense presses, and then they struggle, and then it just snowballs into getting dominated for three days. Appreciate uh, Mike Bianco joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line, as well as Chris Lamonis and Scott Ferry earlier in the show this afternoon. We'll take a timeout when we come back. little weekend cooking review. It's our Food Friday on a Monday, presented by Polks and PolksMeat.com. We're back right after this. Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on this Monday afternoon. We've covered a lot of ground, but still a lot of ground to go. Normally, it is Food Friday, presented by Polks, but uh, because we had baseball obligations on many of our stations on Friday, we've pushed it to Monday. We talked a little bit about what we were going to do this weekend. Now let's talk about what we did this weekend on the grill. What did you do this weekend on the grill. Hope you will send us uh, pictures of uh, what it looked like for you this weekend. Uh, a little bit of a chilly weekend, but uh, not bad grilling weather. Uh, our Food Friday segments and this weekend food review is brought to you by Polk's 
Polk's Meat products. You can find them online at polksmeat.com. Remember, when you go to the grocery store, look for the Polk's Meat products in that yellow and blue packaging. Easy to spot and easy on the palate when you go that route. Whether you're looking at the Cajun smoked sausage, the original smoked sausage, maybe it's the the beanie weenies, maybe it's the, the hot dogs, whatever it is you're looking for, they've got you covered. Oh, the garlic and green onion sausage, which is, I, I'm still a Cajun sausage guy first, but the garlic and green onion has been really, really good. Um, check them out. If you can't find Polk's Meat products at your local grocery store, find the manager of the meat department and tell them that you're looking for Polk's because picky people pick Polk's. So, looking back to the weekend that was, Mr. Hey Dad, what would you end up doing on the grill? I did some wings. like We talked about uh, on Friday. I did uh, three different kinds. I made like a sweet and spicy wing, a sweet rub and a spicy sauce, just just buffalo sauce, but I mean the, the rub was sweet. So that came out really good. I did some uh garlic parmesan wings. I made my own garlic parmesan sauce, but just melted mm. down some butter, put some garlic in there, parmesan, parsley. They came out good. But the star of the show to me were the jerk wings. I bought some uh of our good friend Malcolm Reed's jam and jerk, seasoned them up, and then I bought a it wasn't a jerk sauce, it was a jerk barbecue sauce. To, to flavor those, and I thought that was really, really good. So, I had wings. I like wings. Any sides, or was it just like a wings period? And it was just me, so just wings. I had I had the, Ranch, the, the main cheese, course celery. Was, any of that? Any of the stuff? Uh, we, you... we, no, no, I don't don't want it, don't want any of that. that. That's 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 extra calories. We don't we don't need that. Celery doesn't have any calories. Celery, yeah, I don't do celery. Period. But the ranch, the blue cheese, yeah, yeah. Does it not add to it when you can take that wing with all that other sauce and flavor on it oh, and just dip it well, in a I bowl mean, of ranch and then the oh, spicy man. ones? Yeah, but garlic parm and jerk, I don't want ranch on those. Yeah, okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. So. Borky, what was the uh, what was the the meal this weekend? Oh, we didn't cook anything. saltines. Oh, we didn't cook anything. We went out though on Saturday night, and uh, I won't name the place because I am not in the business of giving out free endorsements anymore. If you want me to brag on you, you got to pay for it. Uh, just kidding. A really nice place here in town. Um, okay. The the highlight of the night was honestly, it wasn't the oysters. It wasn't the steak. It was a uh, an app that we had, which was um, a pimento cheese toast. Which it wasn't just that. It, it was a, a thin, very thinly sliced toasted bread with a, a spread of pimento cheese on top. But then it was very thinly shredded and finely chopped. Uh, smoked pork belly in this sweet barbecue sauce on top of the pimento cheese bread. And it changed my life, I think. So I will look at appetizers this, the same. Uh, like, if we need a fancy name, are we going to call this, like, pork belly pimento cheese bruschetta? I guess, yeah. I mean, that, that's a, there we go. That's yeah, a yeah. nice way That'll to work. put it. But, man, I, I was blown away. Like, the steak was good. The sides were good. Oysters were good, but nothing. Ooh. I haven't had an app like that. Big before. Saturday night out. Oh like man, I had were like we celebrating anything? No, well my birthday, but that okay. was la- but that was last week. Um, hold up, it was just kind of a belated. Hold up, your birthday was last week. Uh, two Sundays ago now. You feeling bad about this, Hayden? You're real well, good. Well, this about, is why people need. You're good about doing the happy birthday thing. 
This is why people need to be on Facebook and be my friend on Facebook, Michael, so that I know when your birthday is. Because I can't, I have no way of knowing otherwise. I, I, I wasn't there for your birth. We haven't been lifelong friends. I don't know when your birthday is. It's all right. I mean, it's 31. You know, I mean, Blink-182 said nobody likes you when you're 23. I mean, who likes you when you're 31? I didn't like what, you when you were 27. What is your, what is your 31st birthday? <laughs> I mean, honestly. And so, but yeah, that, that was the occasion. I had probably 5,500 calories in one sitting. It was amazing. There you go. Yeah, that, sounds, that. Uh, that sounds That's yummy. how it's done. We... Um, no oysters and no pork belly pimento cheese bruschetta, uh, but I did fire up the grill on. You uh, wish there on, was. Uh, I wish there had been. No, no question. Yeah. Uh, I fired up the grill on Saturday. Uh, my brother, uh, Paul, and his wife and their eighteen-month-old sweet little Olivia were in town. Uh, don't get to see them a ton. And so we did steaks and salmon and twice baked potatoes. And asparagus with a salad and dinner rolls, and uh, turned nice. out great. That's a yeah, great was, meal. Yeah, I, I, I feel like a little bit of. I, I think I need to branch out a little more. And I've said this before because I feel like a little bit of a broken record on the whole steak and salmon thing. My kids love steak, but Obi like if he could only have one more meal, he would pick salmon. And Jane usually like a bite or two of steak, but would prefer salmon. So I've kind of I've switched for for a long time. I was doing a, a sweeter glaze on the salmon. I would mix up mustard and honey and a little bit of Lowry's and a little bit of Worcestershire and just kind of do a, a sweet glaze on it. I've gone to an olive oil with a little bit of squeeze of lemon, and then the Tony Sachery's Cajun seasoning on it, and it's altogether different flavor. But it's been really good. So I don't know if I need to branch out on the meat. Like products or the seasonings or whatever, but I feel like I'm in, in a rut there. But it's a good rut. So, and of course, no meal on the grill is good or as good as it can be without throwing that package of uh, Polk's Cajun sausage on it. That's, that's how we always start. So that goes on the grill first. It comes off first. Slice it up and do, uh, do that as a little bit of an appetizer plate. While we are uh, awaiting the main course, it's uh, it's really good. Ceasefire text great. line. Dwayne and Brandon says salmon for my brother-in-law from Alaska. They go twice a year. Might have already sent this last time we made it. Um, he says Richard, your grill the salmon. Uh, do I grill the salmon on the board? Occasionally, I, I don't use the cedar plank every time. Um, Honestly, most times I'll throw down a sheet of aluminum foil, spray it down with like an olive oil spray, and then put the salmon on there, and then I just kind of slide a spatula underneath it to rid it of the skin when it's ready to come off, you know, and it's white and flaky. Uh, Texas Roadhouse has the best salmon, no joke. Okay. I'll take your word for that. Might even try it sometime. I've been to it. Is Texas Roadhouse the one with peanuts? Yes. Or is that Longhorn? Wait, no. No, that's that's uh, Longhorn. No, 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 that, that's not Longhorn either. That's uh, Lone Star. Oh. That's the Maybe there's more than one. Texas Roadhouse has the bun, the rolls with the cinnamon butter. Uh, Zach in Starkville, I really want this show canceled. None of y'all really knows sports. Like, seriously, why does Super Talk waste money on this show? 
Thanks for the message, Zach. Good to hear from you. That's you know Logan's. You know Logan's. what's funny, Zach? Logan's. You, you think we know nothing about sports. And guess what? You're right. And, and this is going to make you really mad. We get paid for this every single day. This is what we do for a living. And we know, we know nothing about sports. I'm going to find sports. where Zach works and cancel it. And I no. bet I'll have more of an effect than you will. <laughs> we I guarantee you that if I tweet, hey, this place sucks, don't go there, I will get a positive response from that. Watch your back, Zach. I just uh, want you I want you to go to bed tonight knowing that you know about more about sports than me. All sports, all of them. You know more than me. And yet I'm getting paid for this every day. Enjoy your night. Seriously. He gets, he gets you, paid to talk about know. sports. Maybe you should listen. Where, Zach? Tell me. Tell me where I can listen in and I'll do it right now. And buddy, you just thought you were you had problems before. Here we go. House divided. Prepped a tomahawk steak to split while the lady dogs played, and then ate it while the lady rebs played. It's house divided with a state fan. There we go. Ceasefire text line. Zach is angry. I hope that's not Zach Ardette. <laughs> that's the best one. It could be Zach Selman. We got a Shaq, lot of Zachs up here. Shaq Bully tells us that we're getting trolled. Yeah, probably. Uh, smoke. I don't know if that's how that. You're, if you're getting trolled, it means you fell for it. I don't, I don't know if that's how you can categorize our response. Uh, Borky, happy birthday. Two Sundays ago was my birthday as well. Smoked nice. wings this weekend, Malcolm Reed style, one of the 75 different ways he does it. You get another message that says, gosh, I love y'all. Um, Zach says he gets paid to talk about sports. Maybe we should listen. We might learn something. Tell us where, Zach. We'd love to. Tell us where, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm and supertalk TV. Zach tells us that, oh, by the way, somebody said we got Zach attacked. <laughs> I just want to point out, by the way, that uh, that Zach got mad at us for not knowing anything about sports in a segment where we were talking about food. Yes. Yes. Just want, we'll make sure we understand that. He says that we should listen to his show and that he's not trolling, he's just speaking facts, and he'll send us a link to his show. I said, send us the link. Or the station, or the live stream, or the video feed, or the podcast, or maybe your app, or or literally anything. Anything, Zach. Anything. A quick Google of a quick Google of sports a sports space talk. Zach Starkville is an interview we did with Zach Arnett. So that's the first thing that comes up on Google. So he's, 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 he's your SEO is not good, Zach. If you need me to work on that, let me know. Dan's making me laugh. Also, if you need me to tell you Zach what SEO is, I'll be Griffin. happy to. Yeah. 
Probably. Zach says that he's deep in the heart of Texas and he can't wait until we join the. SEC. So you're not Zach in Starkville. So where are you, Zach? Let us update that for you. Happy to do so. Wait, he's the guy that back in February said that uh, he wants to rip the radio out of his car because you, yes. Richard, are so annoying. Yes. And his car is a Corvette, based on the picture that he sent us. I feel like there's a lot of lies being told right now. This is my personal opinion. Thanks for listening, though, and not ripping the radio out of your dash. We're glad to, uh, glad to hear that from you. Unless you were listening online, in which case you wouldn't actually gain anything by li- ripping the radio out of your dash. That'd be, that'd be a bad plan. Yeah. I, I told him to record it and send it to us. He didn't. That would have been a funny video. Did you see the uh there was at at a watch party, if you will, for the NCAA tournament, a beef jerky company sponsored uh, like a smash room where they had a room with defunct like printers and and Keurigs that didn't work anymore and like Coffee mugs and stuff like that, just 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 breakable stuff, all in this room. And they gave you baseball bats or sledgehammers and let you put just like a face shield on. And after you lost your bets, you got to walk in there and just smash a bunch of uh, a bunch of stuff in this smash room to take out all your anger for losing games on pieces of equipment that broke easily. <laughs> what a great promo that is. That lo- it looked like so much fun. It's like the uh, the boom boom room, pretty much, or like office space. All right, the opening weekend of SEC play as a whole, we we have not had time. There's just been a lot today. We haven't had time to really dive into it. But the results this weekend were kind of surprising all over the place. I think. I mean, hey, Dad, weren't we surprised? by the results of both the Ole Miss and the State Series to some degree? Not like shocked, but a little surprised that both got swept? Yes, but not as surprised as I was that Tennessee got swept by Missouri. Well, yes. Well, I, I guess that's what I, I wanted to walk through that. So a little surprised that Ole Miss got swept by Vandy. A little surprised that Mississippi mm-hmm. State got swept by Kentucky. Maybe a little surprised that South Carolina swept Georgia in Athens. But Missouri sweeping Tennessee. And they played a seven-inning doubleheader yesterday. So Missouri wins on Friday. They get weathered out on Saturday. And they played two seven-inning games yesterday. And it wasn't like they were super close either. Like they were convincing wins for Missouri yesterday. You also had Florida take the series over Alabama. That's one that Alabama is going to kick itself over. Because they should have won the second game. They had a lead going into the ninth inning, and Florida got a home run to tie it up and then a base hit and then scored a run on a sack fly. I think how they won it. And then Alabama was able to squeak out the third one in the series on uh, Saturday. Or maybe they played two. Whatever. Whatever the makeup. Because they started that series on Thursday. I think they played a doubleheader on Saturday. And... Um, you have LSU get two from Texas A&M. Paul Skeens, if you haven't seen the guy pitch, brother. And they had, they had to come back there, Texas A&M. They nearly got swept as well. Yeah. LSU had that lead late in that game. I mean, we almost had 
five sweeps this weekend. That's yeah. a crazy stat. Look, the the thing you had two complete game shutouts this weekend that were just incredible with Brandon Sprout for Florida and also with uh, Owen for Vanderbilt. And yet the most impressive performance of the weekend, I thought, was Skeens going six and a third and striking out 11. Sitting at 98, topped out at 100 miles an hour. Thanks for being with us. Have a good Monday night. We'll talk to you tomorrow in the Pearl River Resort Studios. Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff. MWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWGEmployerServices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.